Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us on our 130th episode of the podcast where we get a chance to talk to Coach Eric Lassiter. Coach Lassiter is the head baseball coach at Windermere High School. Brand new school that was started six years ago. He just finished up his sixth season. Um, six actually playing, one losing one to COVID, which we all know. Uh, in those five seasons they have played, he's made the state playoffs every time. Four out of five of those, he's been district champs. Three out of the five, he's been uh, was a region finalist in his five years. Uh, so a great career, great start uh, to the short time that Windermere has been a school. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time till that state championship comes for Windermere. Uh, also the former head coach at Tavares High School. It was also a six-year stint at his alma mater, Apopka High School. Coach Windermere, uh, <laughs> Coach Lassiter uh, from Windermere is the co-founder of Power Baseball, the big-time baseball program in travel uh, travel baseball. So if you're in the travel world, I'm sure you know about Power Baseball and how good those guys are and the great program they run. Former college coach at West Virginia Wesleyan College. He's also the director of membership for Diamond Allegiance. Diamond Allegiance, and I'll touch base more about this. It's uh, They're getting into the travel world and uh, looking for exclusive programs that do it a certain way or looking for a little bit better a way to do it and how to grow their travel organization as well as be able to do much more individualized programming for the Diamond. So, again, that's Diamond Allegiance, He's all, where he's also the director of membership there. Um and we will, like I said, we will touch base more about that uh, in the show, which is great to know. Um, also, wanted to give a big shout out to our sponsors at Netting Pros, Netting Professionals, are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting Pros can specialize in the design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all the latest products and projects. Big shout-out to them. Thank you so much. Coach Lasher, really appreciate you. Uh, also, big shout-out to Ray Evans. Ray Evans, uh, if you guys, for those guys following the podcast, um, Hall of Famer, unbelievable coach, actually helps out Coach Lasseter at Windermere. Uh, they have an incredible staff, um, and he kind of made the connection for us and just want to give him a big shout-out, big thank you to kind of bridging the gap here, give us a chance to talk, and uh, it was great. Man, we, we just talked for a while. Couldn't believe how fast it went, and uh, hope you enjoy it. I know you will. I know I did. Uh, just... Little things of being able to pick up and take into your program and to, to learn even more great things to help grow the game. So enjoy it. Coach Eric Lassiter from Windermere High School. At the time, he actually left right as we got to school, but at the time there was a guy from Apopka uh, who played at University of Charleston. where my West Virginia. Was, yeah. Yep. where my head coach was the assistant under Coach Nesserat, who was the, uh, there forever. Coach Nas was there forever. And he got 
he was the interim head coach at Charleston. I had a great year, made the playoffs, then got Davis and Elton's job, brought this guy who was a player as the recruiting coordinator and brought in like, I think nine or 11 of us in a year span. We all played for like the same, we all played against each other in high school, hated each other because we were, you know, rivals, but played on the same travel team before kind of travel was travel, obviously. And uh, he plunked a couple of us. And like, once he got one, you know, he started using up oh, yeah. the other guys. Um, and he sold us. It's a different time. You know, there's no social media. There was no giving a crap about your field. Yep. He sold us on like, hey, I want to change the culture here. I want to make this a winning program. And you nine guys are going to do that. You're going to play right away, even if you maybe don't deserve to, because we're going to take our lumps regardless the first couple of years. But by year three, we're going to win. And I just bought into Coach Brisbane is, is his name, but I, I bought into everything he was selling and it came true and his passion came true. And part of it, to be perfectly honest, which is why I'm so hard on my kids and why I probably have the passion I do is I wasn't really good in school and it hurt me. Like, you know, and you don't hear about it until it's time to get recruited when they start asking you for those transcripts. And I had some other offers in Florida that, you know, fell through the wayside because of my grades and, scared some people off and I needed to mature. And I was a late bloomer when it came to that. I ended up graduating college with, you know, a 3.0, but high school was far below that. And <laughs> they were able to get me in and give me some money and tell me that I was going to pitch early and possibly be in the rotation if I earned that spot. And that's all I wanted at that point when I knew I already screwed myself up is I wanted to go with somebody who believed in me uh, because a lot of people didn't when they saw my transcripts and, he wasn't scared from it after meeting with me and my my father. Um, and he knew that I was going to mature up and, and figure it out. And I just appreciated the heck out of him, out of him believing in me when some of these other schools who wanted me were scared off by my transcripts. And so I give him a bunch of credit because he's the reason that I ended up finishing school and getting a college degree and doing all those things. Because the last thing I want to do is let somebody down that was, you know, putting not just money, but but their own job on the line, essentially by taking a guy, if we all flunked out, which all of us weren't the plenty of my other Florida guys were really good students at the time. But, you know, when you put, when you put that much effort and energy into somebody, like if you really are the right person, you're not going to want to let them down. And so I think that's what kind of drove me to, to want to go there and, and prove him to be right and prove everybody else that kind of backed off to be wrong. That's cool, man. Say you alluded a little bit to it. So I'd love to get some more into like you said, like, this is, this is why, this is why I am like, I am the way I am to my players. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm really hard on them with the grades. I'm really hard on them with how they act, not just in the classroom on the field, but in the community. And I love my high school coaches to death. We were big in the community and we have huge support when we were at Apopka high school, but I don't think, and maybe it was because of the times. I don't think that there was an emphasis necessarily on, on the other side outside of baseball as much as there could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's not to their fault. I don't think, I think, you know, I'm sure if everybody could go back in time and realize how things move forward, they would do things different. Cause I, I, I'm also thankful for, I learned a lot of things about being a coach from those guys too. Um, but I, I, I just, I want them to be the ultimate human being and, I know it took me until I was 19 years old to figure that out. And if I can give a kid the opportunity to figure that out at 15 and 16 and not have to go through some of the things that I went through, then, you know, it makes me really proud and it makes me proud of them. And, but also like, you know, the people that stuck by me, like coach Brisbane at Davis and Elkins, you know, like my high school coaches, 
and those guys that, you know, changing lives is not just getting a kid a baseball scholarship, you know, cause you know, 99% of those guys are going to get a real job and have to be responsible. And, uh, you know, Davis and Elkins made me that, um, a hundred percent. I was 13 hours away from my parents. I couldn't go run to them if I needed something. <laughs> I couldn't fall back on them. If something was going on, I had to figure it out, you know? And so I really try to harp that on my, on my players now at a very young age and let them know there's, my biggest saying is there's only one way to do things, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So you can't just be a great baseball player because, and just do great there. Like, so um, that's something that we really harp on. You said like a big in the, like the community, there's like, how do you uh, like, what, do you, what, what kind of ways are you doing those kind of things for kids? Yeah. I mean, uh, some of our guys go to do stuff for like uh, handicapped kids that are playing baseball and different things. Um, supporting other athletics right like you want people to come to your games like our game our guys have become really close with our basketball team throughout the years it helps that myself and our basketball coach are good friends we came together from Apopka to Windermere uh, with our principal who started the new school um, but that's kind of funneled down our friendship has funneled down to our players and I mean I know that my guys are like their number one supporter when they're in big games because they're really good too and I think that just the rest of the school is seeing you know, your other athletes supporting each other brings a whole different kind of community and feel to the school. And so that's something we're big on is supporting other athletics, but also, you know, supporting everything else. We, our guys go when they have little league tryouts, our guys go and help work tryouts for them, like help with evaluations, help with, you know, signups, help with things like that, just so that people know, you know, it's not just once you show up here, you're a Windermere Wolverine. We want the kids that are coming here, you know, from, seven years old up that are we want them to dream about being a Windermere Wolverine one of the coolest things that I've seen in my coaching um since I've been at Windermere is Bryce Hubbard our first class we didn't have jersey numbers and we had no jersey so I got to design and pick all of those so the first thing I did is so they had some ownership is I said hey guys all right you guys are on the team what numbers you want and Bryce Hubbard chose number 87 I believe for Sidney Crosby from the Penguins <laughs> Um, and a year later, you know, we got kids coming to our game from our prep teams. Uh, we have like feeder teams and stuff like that and little league uh -huh. teams. And we have little, we had little league nights and things like that. And these kids are showing up wearing number 87 jerseys. And I'm like, I've never in my life seen a little league or a prep team kid wear number 87. And, That's cool. and still to this, I, this year, a kid came to watch our game wearing a winter mirror Wolver or Wolverines prep Jersey. He's wearing number 87 and like, so cool because they loved Bryce because Bryce was in the community. Bryce was doing stuff. People saw him in the paper, but they also saw him in person and those kids latched onto him. And now 87 is like a legacy thing that you see these kids wearing at a young age. It's just really cool to see, um, you know, not, not just for, I mean, I text Bryce actually about it probably about a year ago. Um, just like, Hey man, 87 is still rolling and you know, it's a lot to do with you, but just seeing stuff like that, you know, really, makes it come to fruition that what you're doing is right when an eight-year-old is looking up to a high school player because I know when I was in high school I can roll off all kinds of guys at Apopka High School that I was rolling up to watch and wanted to be like at that age mm -hmm. and so now the fact that we're doing that and passing that on to younger kids and giving them something to reach for I want to be like Bryce Hubbard or Carson Montgomery or any of the great players that we've had um, is a really cool thing. Yeah that's a super cool thing man I mean that's 
That is. And how how big? Like, give a relatively big community. Like, how big is the high school and the community? The high school has probably 3,500 students. Okay. Um, we, we, they just built an, after one year, they started building a new school to relieve us. We relieved one school uh, called West Orange High School, which was a really good perennial powerhouse. Actually, one of my partners with Power Baseball was the head coach there. Uh, before he left, their top, you know, 50 team in the country every year. Windermere opened, took some of those kids. He actually left and decided to get out of coaching. Um, but so we've, we've got a great talent pool to start, but they opened a brand new school like two years after we were there, only relieving our high school. So we would probably be close to 5,000 students if they didn't open that, that place. Wow. So, yeah, I'm just thinking about just even the sheer logistics, you know, how big it is, and you're still trying to get involved in the community and things like that. You know, it's different. You know, like I said, me being the really small school of Maryland, you know, being, you know, like when we go to our local little leagues and, you know, we're also hunting guys and, you know, we got guys playing all three sports because it's such a small school and things like that. You know, it's really hard. Uh, it's different. It's just a different time. So it's like, oh, yeah. it's really good to, to be, be that big and still trying to just make a mark in the community. Absolutely. I think that's the key. I mean, any, any successful school that I've seen around here, um, really does a good job of that. Um, one of my good friends is the head coach at Winter Springs High School who actually just made a run to the um, final four and they got knocked out, but um, he's done a really good job since he's got to Winter Springs, really making it more of a community-based school. And then obviously you see that success. When when you when these kids at a high school level, when you feel this, the community supporting you, I think it really does change things for the kids' mentality, right? Like everybody always preaches, you know, the, the stereotypical, like play for something bigger than yourself, but like the community is something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. And that's something very easy to grab a, a hold of as long as you just make the effort to. Now there's all kinds of other things that you can also do. Like a kid gets sick, coach gets sick, something like that's another great way to play for something bigger than yourself. But if you're looking for something that you can utilize every year, it's play for the name on the front of your Jersey, whether it's your high school, whether it's your city, whatever that is, um, play for a bigger purpose. And I think things work out for you when you do that. Absolutely. Now, do you have like, so how do you go about like the, you know, high school season is, can be a, a grind and, and it's a lot of times quick and done. Like, it, you know, a slump yeah, it can flies just, by. Yeah, it does. Like you've seen good players, like, man, they start slow. Like they'll never recover, you know, or like yeah. you get in a slump and it's just boom. Like um, how, so with, with the schedule and how fast it is, like, how do you find time? Like, when is it appropriate to kind of go into the community and do this kind of like things with little leagues as you're kind of going along with the schedule? Yeah. A lot of the stuff is in the fall for us. Like what, how we, cause most of our guys here are pretty much baseball specific at this point. Yeah. Um, not all, but yeah. Um, so we usually in our high school season, some guys do it differently. We go Tuesday through Thursdays. We play like inner squads or play outside opponents on like Wednesdays. So then our guys can still, get a day off for travel, play on the weekends with their travel team. And we're not overusing them and blowing them up. Like I know who they are. Go get your stuff. Like we all know, at least in Florida, like college coaches aren't necessarily coming to high school games anymore. And I mean, we've been blessed because of our relationship that we have places like Stetson and UCF and local schools come to our games when they have off days or they miss something to come mm -hmm. watch. But for the most part, the recruiting's done in the travel circuit. Right. So we make sure that we do that. And then on those, you know, those off days or, uh, weekends when little leagues having stuff, we really try to harp on it then. And then that's when we get the support in the spring by doing that, you know, in the fall. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how much, cause every, you know, I like guess in every state is a little different with all the things they can do, you know, yeah. 
uh, in the off season, especially in public schools. Um, so yeah, that's why I was just wondering. And then like when you talked about like, you know, the, the message and the things you're also going to talk to talk to you guys about, like, are you, um, is that just something that you're kind of touching base with at practice a lot? Like, are you having these conversations with guys like, uh, maybe classroom sessions? Like, do you, do, how do you kind of handle that? Uh, as far as like meeting with how we're playing, we usually sit down after games, you know, offense will go with Ray, who I think you spoke to on, on this yeah. podcast, actually, um, our pitchers go with our pitching coach and I kind of go back and forth. Um, but we, you know, we have our guys on staff do grade checks. You know, if they get in trouble, we get emails, we handle that stuff internally, but um, we have one expectation and that's that we're going to do the right thing. You know, I don't have this crazy list of rules when I give out our player and parent signature forms and list of things. It's basically like, don't do anything that embarrasses you, yourself, your religion or your program, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's pretty simple and, and very vague. But if you live by something that vague, it's pretty pretty easy to stay outside of that you know I'm not one that you know if you go back to my younger days uh some of my guys have said I got soft since I've had my daughter which she's six I know you got a little peek over there when she was telling me good night but I mean I used to be no hats backwards you know you had to have your hair a certain way and <clears throat> way closer to the New York Yankees type style and now uh as I've aged and gotten a little softer as my players say like some of that stuff goes by the wayside as long as we're doing things the right way like you're allowed to have long hair and still be a good person, you know, Absolutely. Like you're allowed, you're allowed to do some of these things. Heck, I wish I used to have long hair when I was playing in college. So how can I tell a kid not to like looking back at myself, you know? Right. Um, and uh, so really, if you're the right person, you can look and do different things and still be the right person. So that's something that's kind of gone with age, I think, but yeah, just holding them to that expectation and knowing that, you know, we want to be great everywhere. I mean, we do stupid stuff. Some people say it's stupid. I don't think it is. Obviously, that's why we do it. But we have rules called nine to five, which I stole from Coach O'Sullivan at Florida. Like our first nine have to beat their first uh, five on and off the field. And that's a win for us. And we'll calculate it and we'll look at it. And, you know, I probably need to do a better job at it because I thought there was times we were lacking in it just because as you get through, you know, you guys start knowing the expectations to hold each other accountable and you kind of don't have to do it. You know, the best teams kind of coach themselves. Um, but, you know, just little things like that to make sure they know everything counts. Absolutely everything um, is kind of what we harp on. Like, uh, explain a little bit of the nine to five. So I'm just, let me hear it. Yeah. Few minutes, my so you, that, Cause I love it, but go ahead. Yeah. So your first nine players after an inning need to beat um, basically their last five off the field or on the field. So we try to win every nine to five or nine are on the field before their last five are off the field or our nine are off the field before their first five are on the field, just energy, effort, commitment to each other, holding each other accountable to get off and on. Um, I think it just promotes hustle, you know, and really just something else you can get an edge on, you know, that first inning you beat their butt off the field and you get in the dugout and you hear the guys saying that we just, we just kicked their butt already. We didn't, we haven't got to swing yet and we just beat their butt, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, just little stuff like that. And again, I'm not the inventor of that. I'll be happy to tell you I took it from Coach O'Sullivan, but it's something that when his teams are really rolling, you watch them, it's 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 really impressive. Um, and most people, you know, don't get a chance because they're watching on TV or whatnot. But if you ever get a chance to go to watch a game, it just gives you chills watching guys get off the field like that, or at least if you have passion for it like I do and probably you do. Mm. You know, that's the stuff that gets my gears grinding. So, like, because I think here's circuit sauce. 
because I'd love to hear because and this is and this is for me is what I've always loved about just talking baseball is tell me because like for me it's like yeah if you watch Coach Sullivan get to watch him play my thing would be like I like to go how he sets his standard like I would like to know because it's not just like you're telling them that right like yeah what do you do to create that and hold that standard well early on in in practices and inner squads and things like that in our fall season right where it doesn't actually count towards your record like you do little things like when we do like team inner squads you'll get points for winning those just like if you scored a run um you know we do point system stuff that i know a lot of coaches do this but one of my players nick barber went and played at um east carolina for cliff and uh when they do their their team inner squad and stuff in their world series in the fall, they get points for like all kinds of crazy stuff. His is too elaborate that we don't have enough guys on staff like they do to keep all the yeah. same points, but we have definitely copied a bunch of stuff, you know, getting on and off the field, you get a point, get a sack bunt down, you get a point, right? Like doing all these different things can get you points. So you know that it's not just the runs that win you game. It's what you do to produce those runs that really gets you to win the game. So just instilling those things, I think early on where, they don't like to lose to each other. I don't know about how your inner squads go, but those are some of the most competitive games we have, even in season when we do different bunt game or hit and run games um, within like we break them into three groups and do it that way. Those are some of the most heated moments because our guys don't want to see each other the next day after they just lost to each other. Um, <laughs> so really getting those things going then, then it becomes really easy whenever you're playing an outside opponent to want to kick their butt and everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I always like, for me, like I'm a point, like I like seeing the big numbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you, when you're doing those process points, you know, and giving points for kind of a, as much as you can manage, like then your scores like 30, 33 to 45, yeah. you know, like yeah, and a lot baseball of times, game. It's great. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll do it. Like we'll do three team stuff. So that we got, you know, backups. We bring up some JV guys that are playing well and do like a three team type scrimmage all at one time where one team's in the dugout, one team's hitting one's on defense and they rotate. And so we'll have the scoreboard going where it's home visitors and innings are runs, you know, for those teams. Um, <laughs> so just little stuff to kind of keep them accountable and be able to see something on a scoreboard, I think always helps. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even just like, uh, I, I, I even like the stuff like, so like, let me ask this then what, what, how do you treat the winners? How do you treat the losers? Oh, a lot of time. It's just not really usually like crazy. Like my big thing, I hate running guys for punishment because to me, running gets you better. Like run, like doing different running drills or things like that are things to help improve your skills, not necessarily punishment. So we don't do a whole lot of running for punishment, but it might be some up downs or something like that that's just miserable to do. That's not really, you know, an improvement type thing, more of a toughness thing. And then you know, the, the two losers, if it's a three-team game, would have to be the guys that take care of the field afterwards, right? Just something we're also passionate about because, as I said before, how you do anything is how you do everything. So we make sure that our field's always tight and looks good. And so if you lose that day, you're the ones tamping the mound, fixing the plate, brooming the edges, you know, doing all those little things while the other guys get to relax and drink some water. And then you know, really know it's going well when that happens. And you got the two winners who are doing up downs with the losers mm-hmm. and then they're still helping out with the field. Right. And I never manufacture it and make that happen. But once that starts happening, you're like, okay, we're, we got something here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's uh that is a pretty special, those are pretty special moments. And those are things that like, honestly, man, like 
Like, uh, I loved it about the high school season and being able to do that. And even when I was coaching Juco, you know, like just loving those kind of things because in the travel world, you know, and you're tra- when you're really traveling, you know, it's not like local yeah. and you can still, and right. the guys still need to practice. Like, you know, what, when you are, like you're saying the recruiting part of it, if you're kind of, so you're going to the big events and you're like, you just don't get to have those kind of moments and really, and you're trying to manifest those in other ways. Yep. You know, um, you know, so with you're doing power baseball, you know, and you have been so involved with travel, how do you, how do you take that same kind of, how do you build that kind of environment? Like you said, when you get those, those, those good moments like that. I mean, I think there's still, I think anytime you can find teaching moments, it, it kind of instills that. I mean, a perfect example is we had two really good players this weekend that were having great, you know, opening tournaments, not run out of ground ball. Hey man, congratulations. You're playing great, but you're sitting the next game. I'm mm-hmm. not mad at you. I still love you the same, Yeah, but you got to know there's consequences to your actions. And I think as long as you hold kids accountable in the long term, they, they appreciate it. Um, and it also creates that bond. Like, Hey man, like, you know, we don't want to let our coach down. We don't want to let ourselves down. We don't want to let our teammates down. Cause when you're sitting the bench and you're hot and swinging a 600 bat, you know, for the weekend, you're letting your teammates down if you're not going to get in the game because you didn't run out, you know, a double play ball or, you know, didn't run out a chopper on, uh, you know, that you thought was going to be fouled down the line or whatever the case may be. You're not just letting yourself down by losing playing time. You're letting your teammates down. And I think we've done a really good job at power baseball one picking the right people because it's not always the best athlete or whatever the case may be. That's going to make you the best team or is the make your job easier as far as recruiting, you know, you got to get the right people too. And, I think that's why we see a lot of this transfer stuff and, you know, going in the travel ball season because a lot of these parents and kids just bounce to the next best place when they feel their kids getting mistreated or doing something. And it's kind of creating a culture that I don't agree with. And I think you should take your lumps and learn and get better and appreciate that somebody's willing to hold you accountable. And I think if you portray that message early on and do it in a loving way to start, like, hey, I'm, no, I'm not going to say I'm mad at you. I'm holding it against you you know, but there has to be some accountability and that's where we lose in travel ball. Because like you said, there's not going to be punishment on Monday when you get back home, there's Mm -hmm. not going to be any of those things. So how can you manufacture that without having those kind of punishments is really my thought. Yeah. And, and and then for me, it's a matter of like, two is, is, is teaching those things like your, your nine to fives, like put that in the travel scene compared to how you're doing in high school. Right. And it's like, it's how are you doing some, that? Yeah, it's it's actually it's basically just it's not practiced. Right. It's it's just told like, I mean, we got the first tournament. I went over all of our non-negotiables, which one of them is, hey, all the outfielder stuff's going to be together. All the infielder stuff's going to be together. Shortstop or whoever our leader is in the infield is going to do it. Center fielder is going to do it. And we're going to we're going to start off by beating this team on and off the field. And then when we get a chance to play defense right after we do that. We're going to play elite defense, and as soon as we do that, we're going to bust our butts off the field, and we're going to get ready to beat them on offense, but we're going to win in between innings too. And uh, that's something that is 100% carried over to, you know, our Power 2025 Marucci team and a lot of other teams that we have is we're winning nine to fives. You know, that's something that I don't just do in high school. Every travel ball team that I've coached since I've learned that from Ryan Larson, who coached with me uh, when we started Power, who played at University of Florida, it was something that he really – took two from Sully and um, and I stole and uh, I've, I've done it ever since, no matter 
what age group, no matter what level, no matter if it's high school or travel baseball, that's something that we've instilled in our players uh, that play for me. I love that. Uh, and they talk about one of your first things that you t- that you go over. You know what I mean? Here's where your gloves yep. go. Like I remember, exactly. I remember, you know, in the high school, and again, in the Maryland high school is a little different than Florida high school, <laughs> you know, especially in in Maryland. But like, I remember me and my buddy, a uh, good friend of mine, Dave Wardfeld, who have Williamsport, and and uh, we would literally label the dugout with pieces of tape. Yeah. outfielders infielders like here's exactly. where, here's how you're gonna start you know but this is like early spring when you could do those things but like that's that's for me is always like you know how do we incorporate the, the good solid standards that we're gonna have into the travel world because you know we're not you're not give you're not you have different set of challenges and yeah. circumstances I think you have to have that leeway you know I, at least for us like we don't do a bunch of practice time right like we're taking kids to get recruited. They're talented players. They all have their own individual coaches, whether it's with power or not. And so it's like, how do you bring that team together? So you tell them in the beginning and then whether we win 12 to one or lose one to nothing, if we didn't do, do those things right. It's not just, Hey, great job. We won 12 to one. It's like, Hey, we won 12 to one, but there were four times that we didn't get off the field and beat the other team. Like That's mm-hmm. unacceptable. And so I'm not happy that we won 12 to one. We should have won 12 to one and won all, all the nine to fives. You know, I think as long as you, that first tournament, you set those standards and just harp on it, not ripping kids, not doing that. Because like you said, not every kid coming from a high school program has those expectations. And so I think using that first tournament to really set those and harp on them when they're not right, it's a pretty easy fix, especially if you're being successful. And, you know, I've had the luxury to be pretty successful uh, in the travel ball circuit. So, you know, a lot of times the guys buy in because they know that, you know, the teams we've had have been successful. Um, which obviously helps. Well, for sure. Now, like, so um, speaking of that, then like pregame, especially like like pregame has its own set of challenges as well, you know, going yeah. in. So like, how have you been creative with that? Like, how are you trying to get, I know that you're trying to get kids better and things like that, or even just showcase them and give give them how to how to get them more recruited. Like, so have you, how has, how does pregame work for you and how have you kind of accepted those challenges? Yeah, obviously no I.O., so you do it on the field. Um, a couple years ago, um, Mike Smalley, who's actually, I think, the only player still to this time that played for Florida and Florida State. Uh, this was before the Really? Trans- yeah. Um, really good, really good player. Played pro- uh, professional baseball for a while. But when we got him, we had a 2024 group that's still, I think, top two in the country right now. Um, and all of our POs came to every game. We did PFPs. With, he did PFPs with them uh, while we did our infield and outfield stuff to really make them more of a high school vibe, I guess you could say, or yeah. not just like, hey, show up for your game. Um, so that's something that we've done a lot of in the past is, is doing things like that to where if guys are there, rather than sit in the dugout and hang out on their phone and look on TikTok, like Mike was getting our pitchers better while we were getting ready on – if it was their off day, they had set stuff to do – it was their game day. Obviously, they're getting ready to pitch. But um, I think just finding ways in those 40 minutes that you have between the game to keep active and find little ways to improve, whether he was working on pickoffs or squeeze plays with a flip with a glove or a bare hand, um, double play balls, whatever the case may be, there's always an opportunity to get better if you're willing to utilize that time you have. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's just all of those things that guys need to hear, like, uh, just the lines and, and the little stuff of, cause it's just so challenging with it, but I want to be able to, 
use it to one. Like I feel like people, I mean, you see the guys coming that to games. They're there, they're there before the games start, you know. And I think the only if we can keep them sharp and they can work a little bit, move a little bit, put them in different situations. I think those are all part of the evaluation uh, as well, you know. So for me, that's also there's a there's a layer of that too. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, it just when they get to see fun. guys out there working, right? Like you walk up to a field and you see a bunch of pitchers sitting in the dugout mm-hmm. that are equal talent of the guys that are on the other dugout, and those guys are out there doing PFPs and picks and all kinds of other things. Who who do you think that college coach is really gonna lock in on and notice? Mm-hmm. Not the guy in the dugout. Um, so I think just finding those little ways to set your guys apart and give them the opportunity to set themselves apart, really, because the end result is we put them on a platform. For them to perform and they have to perform like i said we can we can get all the colleges there we want if you go for three you still go for three um but the big thing is that we try to harp on our guys a lot of times they're not looking at your overall stats like when parents get mad about game changer or yeah diamond diamond cast at a tournament my kid was they said it was an error and it was a hit like college coaches trust their eyes guys they're not looking at box scores correct a guy can go oh for three and the guy you know they're they're gonna know he's a good player. Mm-hmm. You know their their eyes don't lie. They get paid to use those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part of also getting the kids because at the young age, you know, you know, in youth baseball, they're all worried about just the overall stats. And my yeah, you know, you hear all the time. Well, when my kid was twelve, he led the team of hitting. And yeah, all the time. Well, that's congratulations, man. When your kid was twelve, he was a really good baseball player. I don't know what else you want me to tell you. But yeah that doesn't transfer over that, you know, you have to have a skill set and the skill set doesn't always mean that you're going to hit 600 in a tournament. You know, they're going to look at your swing. They're going to look at how you approach the ball on defense. They're going to look at a bunch, how you go on and off the field, how you react to failure is a big part because you're going to fail no matter what level of college baseball you go to. I promise you, you're going to fail. Oh, yeah. And they get a firsthand look when they go to a big tournament and they get to see eight games in seven days, they get a firsthand look of how you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, how you're going to fail is a big indicator of how you're going to succeed. Um, so I think really harping on the kids about that and not not having them think that every at-bat is the most important at-bat of their life is also an important thing to, to you know, hand down to them. Can you give me an example? So, uh, man, I, I, I'm really interesting. Like yeah. uh, you said – how you fail is a big indicator of how you will succeed. Yeah. So, like, dive into that a little bit more. Like, give me an example of, like, let's say when you see someone, like, yeah. that you that you think, like, what is a dude because of the way that he handled his failure. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. We, I'm, I won't throw any names out there because I don't want to throw a kid out there, but played against the number one player in the 25 class and several rankings. He smashed a ball. Absolutely smashed it. We're playing on like the biggest field possible in Fort Myers. It was like 415 feet to center. Like it was 355 down the lines, mm. which is massive for even pro pro baseball. Smash the ball, probably gone in every part. We caught it. A lot of players who aren't going to succeed would have been pissed, would have been saying something about, oh, this field, you know, this, that, oh, making yeah. an excuse. That's what it did. But what did he do? He realized he smashed the ball, laughed it off, took his BGs off, went and played a hell of a third base. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good player. Yes, you it know, is. The, the ones who don't do those things or, you know, are ripping their batting gloves off and tearing things up and throwing stuff around because they just absolutely annihilated a ball and 
it went right to the shortstop. It's not a good indicator of somebody who's going to succeed in my in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. uh, again, baseball is a game of failure. So how are you going to handle it? Everybody everybody does well when they're succeeding, and that's why I love baseball because it's really about how well you fail. Mm. If you want to be successful, in my opinion, somebody could tell me I'm dead wrong, but how you fail is a really good indicator of how you're going to succeed. And that's great. That's kind of that's kind of what I mean by that, because, you know, if you've played long enough, which at this time, 16, 17 year olds have played long enough to know they're going to hit a lot of balls on the screws that are outs. So what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to pout? Are you going to let it ruin your next at bat? Um, are you going to sit in the dugout and complain to your buddies that you're the most unlucky person in the world? Or are you just going to continue playing your butt off and know that the ball is going to fall your way? You're going to get one of those hits where you get jammed on the handle and it goes over the second baseman's head too. And those are other guys. The guys that you see that do that and they're pissed when they get to first base, not a in- good indicator of how somebody's going to succeed because they just succeeded. A hit is a hit mm-hmm. in this game. You know, there's a reason that people go in the Hall of Fame hitting 300. And so when you're mad that you got a you got a cheap hit in your eyes, not a good indicator of somebody who's going to succeed. I lo- I, th- I man, appreciate that. that was great. You know, just like I said, just a little diving into uh, into yeah. that, and that was uh, appreciate you like kind of breaking that down. That was awesome. I just like it. That just it's just how it is. It's certainly an indicator. Baseball is certainly uh, like that's why like I can remember like the best teams that I've had. It's most of the time I think that they could just handle getting out better. They yeah. could just handle when baseball hit them. They didn't waver. Like those exactly. are those are most of the better teams that they just kind of just stayed the course. We would drop down, but we would get back. You know, like you just all part of it. But for the most part, you just were just to stay strong and stay tough. You know, and just unwavering when the game will, when the game tries to kick you down. Yeah, I, like you said. I mean, these guys show up. They could show up to see you in your third at bat in a travel baseball game. They may have had to go look at an arm on the other side of the complex. And are you really going to let your first at bat ruin the only at bat, which is your third when the, when the coach is there to actually see you, Mm. you know, like, especially in the recruiting world, if you not just succeeding in baseball, but in recruiting, if, if you're really sitting there and still let grinding your gears on that first or second at bat, you never know when that guy walks up and has no idea how your day went. When you walk up to the plate, do you look defeated? Are you pouting? Because that's an indicator that you haven't been doing well. I want my guys to be the same no matter how, how their day's going. Whether you're three for three, you should have the same energy if you're 0 for three. Um, and I think that will pay off in the long run because if you go up there with that good energy, when that coach shows up, whether it's mid-game, whether it's after you've already had a crappy game, if it's a doubleheader, um, there's no indicator that you're, you know, you're a bad fail. And uh, I, I think that plays huge in in a guy when you can get guys to believe in that mindset because every at-bat is a new at-bat. You know, every pitch is a new pitch. Um, and being able to clear that and, and take it as that is very important in baseball. So good. So good. So, so good. Um, so, so with this Diamond Allegiance, right? Yeah. So Diamond Allegiance. You're looking for guys that are doing this way, you know, back by back edge, back by Tracy Smith, you know, some big t- Sean Casey. Like, are you when you're in this world? And of course, you no, guys Pat are doing Casey, this. not Sean. Pat Sean's Casey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Pat, yeah, I'm sorry, Pat Casey. You're right. Yeah, yeah Pat you're... Casey. You're talking from um Oregon. Oh, no, yeah, Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah. Oregon State. So, are this uh, like as you're in the in it, 
are you still like looking for people like the same way or out there kind of expecting kids to move on or not to feel like, is that what you're doing for what, as a, you know, the director yeah. of membership? Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing is like, who are the guys that are really worried about player development? Because if you're not worried about player development and you're just taking players from all over the place and doing, which there are teams, you know, that are taking players from all over the place that are still doing great player development too. You know, mm-hmm. so we're looking at those, but we're also looking at other organizations that may be regional that really crush it in player development that are growing their business and, and growing the game of baseball in the proper way, which teaching kids the you know fundamentals of baseball, their proper mobility, their proper strength training. Cause you know, there's no cookie cutter way to do this. If, if you just have a pitcher's workout for every pitcher in your program and they do the same thing, well, what if one pitcher has right hip immobility and right shoulder immobility and the other one doesn't, he has a left shoulder immobility and, you know, has, has issues with his, for, uh, with his wrists and his ankles. They shouldn't be doing the same workout, right? Like, so I think really the guys that are really working hard, we want to offer them the opportunity to really individualize their workouts when it's baseball training, whether it's workouts, um, whatever it is, whether it's mobility, so that they can really get individualized training, no matter how big the organization is, because how can we help these guys doing it the right way as their business grows to make player 600 get the same experience as player one? And that becomes really hard as you grow your business. And if we're all travel baseball is a business, but all of the guys that we are, we are, you know, partnering with, with the diamond allegiance are guys that really care about the kids and they want to make sure that every kid in their program, whether they're a division three player, an NAI player or a power five player, is getting the same opportunity to develop and grow and get better for whatever the, whatever their limits are. And, and I think, like I said, that's become really hard as these, as these organizations grow and become national and, and even go from maybe having one team at each age group to four, that's a big adjustment for an owner of an organization. So how can you provide that? And we offer that with the diamond allegiance with the customized uh, app for each organization with coach Backage's player development system and mobility stuff in there, um, as well as eliminating a bunch of other stuff that on the back end for coaches, like communicating with parents and having a different app or different thing for everything that you have to do seven different logins. Right. So like, how can we streamline that, help them run better businesses and also really improve the game of baseball by helping with, you know, mobility, strength, power, um, and all the different aspects of baseball. So like, how do you do that with your own team? Yeah. So with ours, we have the power baseball app and within that each player can go in there and you take a quarterly mobility assessment, uh, that gives you a curve body score. So, Hey, you failed these, you basically get 10 exercises, seven mobility exercises, three, uh, power exercises within that. It's all done with, uh, artificial intelligence from the phone. So you take these exercises with the phone, it grades you out, gives you a pass fail score gives you customized workouts within that. So every player in our program, whether they want to use it or they have their own trainer, they have the opportunity as part of their normal fees with us to have a customized training program for baseball specific uh, mobility and strength. Um, So that's a really good way to give people a baseline, right? Because most people in the travel ball world, I feel like the bad rap goes to the organizations. Travel baseball is too expensive. If you really look at the overall wallet spend of a travel baseball parent, 25% 25% maybe at the most is going to the travel org who is paying all the fees, doing all the other stuff, helping their kids get to college, 
putting them on those platforms. Nobody ever says that it's X, Y, or Z tournament company mm-hmm. that charges the fees, right? Or that does those things. Or is it the travel, right? Travel is huge. So all of the all of the organizations within the Diamond Allegiance also get a Diamond Allegiance deals website uh, code and access where they can save tons of money, even in comparison to like Orbitz, Hotels.com, all those places where the parents can save money on their hotels when they travel flights, rental cars, and things like that. So really, even if the organization is charging a little bit more money to have these services, they're able to save way more money in travel and things like that. Regular food that, you know, there's restaurants on there. There's everyday spending like Target and things like that that they can buy when they just save 12 months out of the year to really put money back in those families' pockets so that they can really make sure that they're providing their kid with, with you know, these services provided by the organizations. So, like, when you talk about, like, the hotels, uh, stays yeah. like, what, like, you know, you got a perfect game, you got a Lake, Lake Point, like, all these places are telling you where to stay. So those things still work with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, yes. I mean, is, is there going to be a tournament here or there where it doesn't? Sure. But for the most part, I mean, a lot of the, I think, a lot of the, big companies are signing deals with different municipalities and things like that to where they're getting income from the overall spend during that time period of a tournament. Uh, so I think a lot of them aren't as hard, aren't, aren't as hard on it necessarily as they could be because they are making that other money. Uh, but are there certain tournaments where that happens? Sure. But what this also offers is say they're just going to visit grandma down in Florida. They can, they can utilize it there on flights and travel. It's not mm-hmm. just during the travel season. It's 12 months out of the year as long as you're a part of that organization. So you're going on a spring break trip with your high school team and you want to save some money, you can get on there, even if it's not your season for travel ball. So it's kind of 12 months of savings, even if those companies are kind of pushing you to stay in, in certain hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, it, uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost every, you know, tournament you go to now it's a state of play and any kind of big national i would say event um you know so yeah just just seeing how that would work but like in terms of like when you you talk a lot about mobility and things like that so do you even individualize let's say with power even like a windermere like are are your warm-ups let's say your dynamic warm-ups are they individualized or is it mostly something you're doing with your team most of our guys do their own individual stuff prior to our team warm up just in high school to me there's something to be said about doing things as a team but like mm-hmm. you know perfect example my my third baseman has had some hip stuff and some his quads were really tight so we give them time before our team stretch to get all their individual stuff down you know all the pitchers throw every different weighted ball you know they got the water bags they're shaking around all the other stuff that my, myself and you didn't didn't use or didn't have and wasn't available Right. Uh, but they all have their own different routines. And I, I love routines and I don't think everybody's needs to be the same. So not all of our pitchers do the same thing. Some throw weighted balls. Some don't like it. Some use the, you know, the giant colored water jugs. Some don't like it. So as long as they have a routine, I'm completely good with it. The team stretching, obviously we do together, but all of their individual stuff is done prior to that. And we get, we make sure we afford them the time to do that. All right, cool. That's a, that's a good thing. I just think with all the mobility stuff and, you know, yeah. but like, you know, for me, like you said, like, there's just for me too, like, there's something to be said about doing stuff as a team. And that's honestly, like, I've, I, I've I even like tried to kill, t- especially in the travel, like travel scene, you got so much time. So now I'm like, let's, let's do some base running mixed in with our warm up. You know, like, we're not right. just like doing like, like high knees. It's not like, 
Now you're going to jog the first base and break it down. Like you're getting ready to run through first. Then we're going to take a turn. Then we're going to do like, we're going to do leads. And like, it's just like, yeah, we're going to do like the chain breakers and all this other, like get, get lo- loosened up at the same time. Like you're going to, you have to learn some base running. Like exactly. on the, like on the way back, it's like, get a secondary lead. You know, like yeah. on the way back, it's hit and run, you know, like just, just things like that, that I, I just feel like I'm just trying to, it's just the time constraints and still trying to teach and get devised, develop. You're trying to, you know, base running is taught, man, you know, and it's just something. It's a lost art time. at this point. Um, it's a lost art. And I don't know if I'm sure it's just time restraints in some high school programs and things, but, and I guess in little league and, you know, youth baseball, if you're just an elite athlete, a lot of times you find some of the fastest kids are the worst base runners as they get older. Yeah. Cause they've never had to be taught anything. Cause everybody's like, he's just so fast. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like the game catches up to you real quick when you got a guy that, that you know, you're playing another team that actually teaches kids to have a good hold and a good time to the plate, and they got a good catcher. Can't just be fast, you know. You're you're out now. You know, you're not just out running the baseball anymore. Um, something that we really were harping on this week actually with our team. I, I we won the tournament, um, but I think that we had an opportunity to really break away from a couple games if we didn't make some base running blunders that. I think should be simple and fixable and we're going to fix them and get them right. But I don't think we were great there. And I think we have a lot of room to improve and that's on me to kind of get that done as we get to these tournaments and make sure that we're, you know, able to react and able to make the right reads and, and do all those little things, you know, in a short amount of time when you have kids from all different high schools. Now we're blessed to have kids from a lot of really good high schools. So it does limit the amount that we have to do, but there's always, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, and even just the language part too. You know how yeah, each because of those... my language could be completely different from somebody else's. You know my, you know my hot calls are like we have some things where we pretty much run automatically in certain counts, especially in travel ball, right? Where you can kind of guess when guys are throwing things, and nobody's necessarily game planning. You know, um, I think it's pretty easy to steal bags in travel baseball. To be perfectly honest with you, um, especially after an inning or two of seeing what what guys are throwing and what counts they're doing it. And we have coaches on our staffs that, you know, pay attention to that. So, you know, we have some stuff where I don't even have to give a sign. It's, if it's this count boys and it's a push situation where it's fours, we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, so just little things like that, that we have to get better at since we just kind of started playing together fully as a team this weekend. Yeah. So are you guys so like typically like your power stuff, like, are you so spread out that, you know, you just get your time, you get your moments at the events. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we play essentially six or seven events with every team. Um, it's hard to hard to get guys to go to practice or do something like that when you're, you know, in at, you know, Fort Myers for five days, come home, you're home for a couple of days, and then you're off to the next tournament, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really how we harp on it is just pregame and stuff like that. And as you really get going into some of the bigger events, you you should have it nailed down by then if you're doing things the right way and go from there. But again, we're, we're blessed. We have a lot of, a lot of really, really quality high school coaches that get us, you know, help us with players, but also coach on our staffs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our kids are, are really, are really coming in, you know, uh, with really good base and, and things. And it's more just terminology and specific things we're looking for. Not anything crazy that we're having to go reteach the, you know, reinvent the wheel of base running or or whatever it is. It's just, hey, this is kind of what I'm going to say. This is what I'm looking for in our secondaries or little things like that. Because um, we really try to make sure that we're getting kids from good high school programs and hiring Absolutely. good high school coaches 
for that purpose. Um, so we've been, we've been really blessed in Orlando to have some of the better high school coaches in our area, you know, sticking with us and, and not only helping us bring kids to our program, but also coaching for us. Yeah, that's crucial, you know, and it's like you said, and it's great for like, even just like, I think doing it the right way and getting kids, it's playing with something bigger than you, having better standards, you know, you're not just showing and up. Being able just... to communicate with a high school coach, right? Like if we have a coach that's on our staff and I got one of their players and I see X, Y, or Z, it's like, Hey man, what's your quick, you know, your guy was on the mound today. His stuff was really good, but you know, I felt like he was flying open and he was either, you know, cutting a fastball down in the dirt or his arm or his up and up and away arm side, you know, he's leaving his arm. So he's either trying to catch up and ripping it or it's dragging behind. Like what are some of your quick fixes that you use and mm -hmm. being able to talk to their high school coaches? Cause they've had them for 30 games or whatnot yep. and know those things I think is an added bonus when you're trying to talk to a kid and you can give some kind of correlation to what, you know, I'm trying to say, and maybe they're not getting, I can go talk to them. Like, oh, okay. You're just saying it this way. Got it. You know, check. Here we go. Hey, I know I talked to, you know, your coach and he was, I was trying to tell you this, but this is kind of what he was saying. Do you, you get that concept? Oh yeah, yeah. Now I get it. You know, little things like that, I think uh, go a long way when you're trying to make a quick fix with a kid in game or after one tournament to the next tournament. Hmm. Yeah. It's so crucial. Just the, the sheer communication between it is half of the stuff is, is, is the time and where I've even got to the take it a step farther is telling them, what are you, what are your things? That, what are you like? He's at, as a kid, like when you're rolling, like, what do you like to say? Like when you're rolling, like what's your arm doing? Like, how do you feel, yeah. you know? And when you're not, you know, like, what do you feel yourself doing where I can hear them say those things as well? Like, I think those are just the language part of it is, is pretty big for sure. Man, it's especially, huge. especially cause at that age group, right? Like they get the concepts, but if they've been hearing it one way and you're saying it differently, maybe there could be some confusion when there doesn't mm. need to be. No, and knowing knowing what they're feeling and looking for and how they explain it, right, then gives you that terminology back and reinforces it as well. Mm -hmm. So good, that's really good, man. So the, the diamond allegiance. So yep. like that's that's well. So is it something like, um, like do you just reach out to you about that? Yeah. Is something that you just go yeah. along, or is it something that you guys go to go to them? It's a little bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, we get outreach through our website, just people seeing our stuff on social media and what we're doing and how we're, how we're trying to kind of change the game a little bit and make sure that development is a key and it's not just chasing the best players in the country because if you want to run a good organization, you're going to have players going to all different colleges and universities, right? Not just sure. the Power Fives, not just whatever. And how do you give them the best opportunity to go to the best place possible for their skill set? And if you're not really worried about development, you're just rotating players all the time, or you're not, you know, you're just you're just bringing in the next best player to replace another kid. Are you really doing your job as as a, as a baseball coach and as a developer? So how can we help aid them in that without making them think that that's what they have to do to be successful in travel ball? And so we reach out to guys like I do research on different organizations. Sometimes it's a cold call. Sometimes it's a I know this college coach who's tight with this guy. He's from the same region as him. And can you, can you get me a, you know, a warm welcome here? Or is it just a cold email? And then again, other organizations that we have in our program have reached out to us. We did our research, did a little discovery call with them, saw that there was synergy there and, you know, kind of go from there. So it kind of happens 
organically a lot of ways. And then also like us talking to them and seeing where they fit in the program. I mean, there's been plenty of calls I've had with people that I thought were good fits that, you know, after a 30, 40 minute zoom call or meeting them in person, it's like, ah, I don't think that is a good fit. You know, maybe I was fooled by some of the stuff I looked up, you know? So um, I think we're really, I don't want to say picky, but we're looking for the right fit. Um, sure. And I think we've done a good job doing that. I think we're up to like 32 organizations with some big time powerhouse organizations. Some are big, some aren't, aren't huge, some are small, but they're still really good programs. Some nationally known, some not, uh, but they're all big into player development and putting the player first. When you talk about, because most of you talk about like uh, like strength training, ability, things like that. Yeah. Like, what about baseball specific things such yeah, as? Yeah, so within you know, the like, app. Yeah, so even within the app, so once they do their mobility and 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 strength test, once you get those, Coach Backich has thousands of videos available that plug in using the AI that are different baseball drills. So you could have, again, a shoulder or hip mobility issue, and you're going to get a baseball specific drill if you're a hitter that you think is just making you a better hitter, but it's also unlocking your hip or unlocking your shoulder or doing things like that. So there's there's stuff within, and then the programs can also add their own organizational videos. So say you guys had a, a great infield guy that you wanted to get some FaceTime and make sure people knew, you could send out to all your infielders in your program through the app, hey, these are our non-negotiable infield drills of the week. Make sure everybody's doing this forehand, this backhand, whatever the case may be our footwork drills. So you can also plug in your own stuff that goes to the forefront uh, for them to do as well so that you can put your, your fingerprints on it uh, along with it. And it's not just relying on the app. Um, but the cool thing is as they do all these different drills, along with the stuff, the organizations are putting, you do them the quarterly, you do the test quarterly. So you do another mobility test next quarter and you start seeing those things improve and Hey, my hip has improved, you know, 15 degrees this stuff's working. And then, you know, you get more buy-in and you get more lock-in and then they really see those improvements in those aspects. And then they start seeing the baseball actually in game stuff change. Uh, so that's something that we're really excited to see moving forward with some of these improvements. There's a, there's a question. This is a rabbit hole yeah. question that I've yeah. been down. I've been down as the mobility stuff gets bigger and things like that. Cause you got guys like, so we can, I think we all can put this in it. Like you have like Mike, a Mike Trout, right? And then you got like uh, I'm gonna think like whatever long and lanky pitcher you want to call, you know what I mean? Let's yeah. say it's Clevenger, you know, right? Yeah. So like very two different types of movers. So you know, like let's say with Mike, the thing comes back and says, "Yeah, you're a tight mover," but like what, like does that necessarily gonna correlate to him being a better hitter? Or does him being a better, like, is him being a good hitter is because he is a tight mover? You know what I mean? Like, how do I we... I think the movement stuff is still there, but I think the mobility stuff, like, I would venture to bet as yoked as Mike Trout is, I bet you that guy's super mo mobile. Yeah, and I don't know that he's not mobile or anything like that. All yeah. I'm saying is specifically, like, it when it comes back that, oh, my hips aren't great and I need yeah. to open them yeah. up, like you say. You know what I mean? Like, where... Yeah. It, it, that... How do you know, like, how do we know that those things will lead to them being, let's say, more a more successful hitter? Well, one, you still got to have the hand-eye coordination, right? But I think if if you're not mobile in all as, aspects of baseball, you know, like, you're never really going to see a guy that can't do certain 
get to certain positions in the body. I mean, you look at any hitter, you can pick the you can pick Aaron Judge and you can pick Mike Trout. Two way different body styles, right? But if you were to slow motion their swing and break it down in five different places, I bet you their bodies are in the same positions all the way through um, or pretty dang close. And so to me, that means their body has to be able to get in that position. So that's the key to me is Mike Trout's in that position. Aaron Judge is that position. One is a little stockier, yoked. The other one is, you know, 100 feet tall and yoked. But their body's still able to get in the same positions. Why is that? It's because they take care of their body. They make sure they're, they're, they're mobile. And they've unlocked all those different, different positions. Uh, one of the things that I've heard Coach Backage talk about is, you know, four or five years ago, I may be misquoting him, but I'm taking it was four or five years ago, he's asked to speak at the ABCA. What he did is he did exactly what you, you were talking about. He had all these different big league guys in all the positions when you freeze the swing, right? They're all in the same place. You just have to get there. And he's thinking, yeah, that's easy. And uh, I think his mom was like, did PT when he was growing up. And he's like, that's essentially like my mom having somebody who just had knee replacement, double knee replacement surgery in the clinic. And me as a young kid walking by and the lady and his mom just saying, see that kid right there? Just walk like him. It's just that easy. Mm-hmm. But he had, you know, his center fielder who ended up being a high draft pick was, I think, player of the year in the conference at Michigan. When he had him, he, he couldn't get his shoulder from an old injury, you know, to 90 degrees. Mm. Smashing balls 107 miles an hour, but straight in the ground. Doing drills over and over again to try to fix it. The kid's super frustrated. Coach is super frustrated because they're both trying to get something out of him that his body's incapable of doing. Then after doing whatever it was, four to six weeks of some stuff to unlock his shoulder, he goes out there. He didn't need anything. He was trying to do what what those freeze frames were showing, but his body was incapable of doing it. As soon as they unlocked that, next thing you know, you know, he's moving on and playing professional baseball and hitting homers and, you know, uh, Big Ten player of the year and all of those things when if he didn't figure that out and he just said, oh, you know, you're either just this good or you can get your body in this position or you can't, would he have ever become that? I don't know the answer to that, but you know, in short, I think the answer is probably no, if you don't find those deficiencies, because it's real easy to just show every kid, you got to get to this position to hit, or you got to land here on foot strike and have your elbow here and your ball here. But what if your body's not capable of getting you to that position, I think is the key. And so making sure you're the, the best athlete that your body can be. I'm not saying everybody's going to have the exact same measurables, but unlocking it enough to get to those positions is the key, in my opinion. And I think that's why mobility is a big part of the game. And I think that's why you've seen all this stuff change um, as there's been more data and metrics been able to be taken is that, you know, there's some pretty hard numbers on what you need to get to in certain positions in your body and how do you get it there especially if it's not capable currently. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to attack. Oh, good. Really good. Um, it might have been a little long-winded. No, I no, 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 no. That's, no, that's some stuff I'm passionate about, so I, I'll get going on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and that's why, that's why I, you know, like I said, that's a rabbit hole of the, those are the things. Like, you know, it's the butterfly effect too. You know, I've gotten to this point, can do these things. You know, if I do unlock this, like what that would be. So, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense what you said, like you're getting certain points, which means, you know, there's certain hinge that everybody's going to get, like you said, at that, let's say a contact 
you know, we've all seen that contact pitch from a hitter, you know, like getting in that position, that means your body certainly can do those things. But maybe before that, you know, what's it look like? Um, so yeah, those make, that makes a, a good amount of sense. Um, so even thinking about diamond legions in terms of high school, is that's, are you, are you also in the realm of high school as well? Cause there's certainly a lot of in the, the same kind of individualism, all those yeah. things can still play in the high school and even in any kind of program. Right now we're focused on the travel baseball world. Um, just because I think high school coaches right now at least have the opportunity to be with them more. Sure. And, you know, they're only providing for what, you know, 45 players maybe on a varsity and JV team. Yeah. So it, it is a little easier to kind of kind of streamline that. But I know for us, you know, I we have a strength coach that's, you know, knows what we're doing with uh, with the Diamond Allegiance um, and RSP Sports. And we do a lot of individualized stuff there to make sure that we're unlocking the body. And, you know, I think we're one of the most physical teams in our area because of him and because of what we're doing. And I think there is the opportunity to do that without it. I do think there is a market for us to eventually get into that. But at the same time, it's like you have to kind of pick your poison on what do you want to attack. And right now, in my opinion, if nobody attacks what's happening in travel baseball, uh, you know, people say necessary evil. It could it could really just become an unnecessary evil um, if you're not really, really attacking this stuff, especially when you have this many kids, when you have the ability to touch that many. You do, you do, but I, yeah, like, but I think what you said earlier too about the organizations, uh, the companies who are charging the events, you know, who are running those big things, you know, like how do you, how, those are things like you're kind of targeting the organization. So is it something that, I guess you have Diamond Legions guys and you're trying to, I mean, maybe grow grow the people who are diamond legions guys, and then you can kind of run your own events and things like that. That would help. Is that what kind of, Oh, uh, we're not really trying to get into the event space necessarily. Uh, I mean, would we, have, will we do some things where we have, you know, where we do some stuff together and just, you know, do with the new recruiting right rules, do we go and do something at a, at a university with eight teams regionally or something like that? Sure. But I, I think it's necessary to have those other tournament places, you know, like, when all the schools can go to watch X amount of players, you know, that saves them money in their, in their budget and doing some things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily try to say that we're trying to take over the world here, but if we can just help the players improve within the organizations, um, I think that's, that's really our focus is really okay. just improving the game of baseball through improving the way players go about getting better and, and how they work and what they're actually focusing on and attacking and then going to those tournaments and showcasing their ability to the best they can. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's a whole. Like I said, I think yeah, that was for me. It was. It was a whole nother, yeah, focus. You know, so yeah. it definitely seems like you guys are definitely just focused on the message of taking care of your players, not just throwing them out there. They need to be able to have some guidance, you know. And you know, one, you're you're basically also setting them up to to get recruited, um, you know, so they can be in the best place to get recruited, which essentially then to go on and play college baseball absolutely awesome awesome so wow awesome buddy um dude i mean we're already i'm an hour and a half in here um <laughs> dad gum that was i just couldn't believe it was already that know, time that's, that's, that's crazy. wild it is crazy um so 
I, I think I remember, I, I want to say, did you were on a, you were on a panel this year at the ABCA. Is that correct? I was. I the was, panel yeah. of, was it recruiting? It was. Was it a actually, recruiting uh, panel? We actually did some stuff with Pocket Radar. It was myself, uh, Eric Backich, and uh, Matt Gerber, who's also with the Diamond Allegiance. But basically how, how people are utilizing this kind of technology and not, you know, in the right ways, essentially. So how can you utilize some of this stuff without also being overcome by it? And, you know, what are the best ways to use it? All different things like that. Um, we did have a breakout session as well with uh, Coach Backage where we went over the actual app and player development and all that stuff as well. Uh, but really just like, how can, how can you utilize, you know, something like Pocket Radar where you can get it to every family at an affordable price? They don't have to buy a, you know, $3,000 radar gun to, to get some feedback, mm -hmm. you know, obviously that pocket radar is going to sink in with the app. So when they do do stuff, they'll be, able, you know, the AI will talk and Philos will be able to go in within the app. They also get a player profile that is, has all the different metrics that you, you name it. It can go in there along with their grades and their transcript. So just easier ways to utilize this stuff and not be overly expensive and, and keep data and get data and push that out to schools the kids can actually create, can send it via text or emails to coaches. The coaches can send it out that way. Uh, and I know everybody has player profiles, but when you have one in your own pocket that you don't have to send a link to, or or not just a link, but I mean, ours sends in an email or text via link, but you know, hey, I gotta go to perfect game or I gotta go to this, which those are all huge. I mean, let's be honest, when I'm looking up a player that I don't know that's coming to my tryout, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go to perfect game and I'm gonna look at it. So yep. there, are, there are all different needs, but. For a kid to have something like that in his pocket and be able to update it, you know, every time he throws a bullpen, you know, there's a spot in, in there where you can have your your strike efficiency as a pitcher. And so when you throw a bullpen, your coach could literally chart your stuff like probably both of us did in college back in the day. We would take turns when it wasn't our turn. Right. And I'm charting. OK, threw a fastball for a ball. Do it. You know, we've all done that. And so now you can upload that into it. I know if I was a pitching coach like I was many years ago in the college game even at a small level, if I was been, if I was able to get some, some of those kind of numbers from a, from a travel coach or from a player that says, Hey coach, here's my last three bullpens and my strike percentages. That would be huge. Especially the budget we had at West Virginia Wesleyan, right? Like I, we, we weren't doing some of the stuff, these division one schools nowhere near it. And right. so to be able to get some of that data, again, trying to help every kid in the program, those, that top 1%, they don't need it, you know? Everybody's going to know who they are, all of that stuff. But those kids that are really good Division II players or really good Division III players, the more information we can get to college coaches' hands to help them make a decision. So in our opinion, if you're with the Diamond Allegiance and you're doing this stuff and you're a Division II or Division III player, of course the Division I players is going to help with all the other stuff that goes along with it. But when you can really give these coaches as much data as possible that they can really lean on and know that's the truth, I think it's an added benefit for anybody that's a part of a program that's a part of the Diamond Allegiance because we can we can supply all this extra stuff that's within there. Mm. Well, even that that's part of the Diamond Allegiance as well. Okay. Yeah. Super cool, yeah, man. E yeah. So each team get basically gets a customizable app with player profiles for each player, uh, all the training stuff that we've discussed. It's it's kind of an all-in-one shop for all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Just makes it easier for the organization to kind of house it be able to share it um, and get into college coaches' hands seamlessly. Cool. 
Oh man, wrapping wrapping things up here. This week, I'm gonna come kind of full circle yeah. and kind of wrap all of this thing, kind of put this put this together. Is thinking about like he kind of first started about like getting in the community, teaching more about the game. You know, um, how how are you able to you know cause we we've touched base with kind of how you did at Windermere, uh, and then what does that look like through power and then through your t- like trying to get these guys yeah. together. Uh, so as a last final thing of kind of keeping that, how do you do that, uh, in your different realms? So the, it's crazy that you asked that that's something that we've been trying to attack since we started, you know, six years ago or so. And we finally kind of came up with the answer. We actually started the power baseball foundation myself, nor any of the other owners are on the board, any of that. We are completely outside of it. Uh, but we have fundraisers to raise money to help kids that can't afford to play travel baseball. Um, we also have sponsored different, you know, Auburndale Little League. We did something. We go out in the community. Uh, local travel ball teams like smaller youth teams can fill out a, uh, a simple, uh, you know, basically like a, a Google sheet and ask for us to come and help them run a practice to get in the community, help them with practice plans, do things like that. All funded basically by donations and fundraisers that we're doing to really get into the community when if somebody reaches out says, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to raise money to go to Cooperstown, they can apply to that and our board votes and gets them the money that they need to help do that to really put Power Baseball's name around, but also because we care and we want to help people that are in our area. Uh, so not only are we covering travel ball fees, we've covered, tra- covered kids' travel ball fees that aren't even a part of Power Baseball um, with some other organizations that we are friendly with. Um, and also, like I said, organizations that have nothing to do with us that are completely in youth uh, or little leagues or things like that that are trying to go to the all-star game or uh, not all-star game, but, you know, like the, you know, the playoff type stuff that they have or travel to Cooperstown or do things like that. So I, th- I think the more good you do, the, you know, obviously, the, um, the more you get your name out in the community in a positive way. So we started that foundation to really do that. We're about a year into it and uh, are not where we want to be, but we're definitely helping out people and uh, and players and families. And it's something that we're really excited about and passionate about and happy that we have the opportunity to be able to do so. So that's the main way that we're getting out in the community with that. Like when we do the run of practice, we have some of our power baseball players donate their time. Uh, we had actually where I live, it's I live kind of outside of Orlando a little bit in a small town. One of our local teams asked us to run a practice because they know me from being out in this community. Uh, we did that and we had, you know, six to eight of our power baseball players donate their time to go and help them with our coaching staffs, go run a practice from the foundation and really instill some some good values to them and how to actually go about their business and all of those different things that we've kind of discussed. So it's been a really fun thing to see kind of grow. And I can't wait to see how it grows moving forward because we're happy to help out the community that we live in and that we get our players in. Coach Lasseter, just um, just want to highlight a couple few points that I really just stuck out to me. One, the first thing is about just developing the ultimate human being. Just really enjoyed that. Just love that and how he said that. I uh, really enjoyed just his willingness to get out into the community teach things that are certainly bigger than the game. Love their work with Diamond Allegiance, trying to make things a little personal, create things, giving people more of opportunity, better environment, creating things that, again, 
bigger than themselves, helping others. Just in the pure fact of what they're doing in their program as they continue to play at such a high level, but they're using the same kind of standards like his nine to fives. First nine has to beat out their last five on the field. Now everything counts. How you fail is a big indicator of how you will succeed. I love how he really just kind of dove into that. Just really want to share out just a couple of really highlights, um, you know, and really just enjoy their time being able to talk some baseball. And appreciate you guys holding on. And again, big shout out to Ray Evans uh, helping us, you know, bridge the gap here with me and Coach Lassiter. Just really enjoyed uh, the time. Uh, if you haven't checked his his stuff out too, <laughs> we talked a lot of baseball as well, and that was a fun conversation. And um, we're looking forward to the next conversation I have with Coach Lassiter. Just a really great guy, good baseball dude. And um, until next time, keep getting better. <laughs>